Titus chapter 1. Tonight, we're going a little different direction. We're going to do, um, really, I'm going I'm to focus on the false teachers. I just kind of, Lord, put it upon my heart. We're not going to go through the passage of Scripture that uh, your homework had for you. We'll do both passages of Scripture next week. But tonight, we're going to do a little review. Remember, last time we were together, um, we were focusing on verses 10 through 12. Actually, 10 and 11. And uh, we go back to, of course, the command that Paul had given to Titus. To go there to Crete, to set things in order, and to appoint elders. And the reason was clear, verse 10, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. And who were the false teachers? Of course, they were the Judaizers. They wanted the Christians to adhere to the law. And, of course, they didn't think that the gospel or the sacrifice of Christ was enough. False. So they wanted the Christians really to work for their salvation. And they were acting. They were rebellious. They were empty, idle talkers. Basically, I said, remember, they were the silver-tongued devils um, there of the time. And how were they, um, what were they, why were they doing it? No, what were they doing? Paul said they were deceiving, number one. Remember? They were seducers who would use their words and their knowledge to, to fool and mislead the people. They were subverting whole households. Remember, they were going to the houses. Now, the church was in the house, so they'd go gather at one house and see all the people that were there, and then slowly but surely they'd be talking to the people, and, hey, come on over to my house. Or come over to Joe's house. Come over to Bill's house, whatever. And we're going to talk a little bit more. And, of course, they would subvert. They would bring their, their lies and deception into the homes of the unsuspecting. Uh, they were teaching things that they ought not. And it's interesting, these false teachers were like politicians. See, they were saying only that which would give them favor in the eyes of the people. They were saying the stuff that the people would want to hear. And, of course, we're, we'll see about that happening uh, nowadays as well. So that's what they were doing. But why were they doing it, of course? And we hammered this point quite a bit last time we were together for dishonest gain or sword gain or King James Version Filthy lucre. I love that. Filthy lucre. Means ill-gotten financial profit. Because they had a love for money. That's what it was all about. The false preachers and teachers using their positions and slanted message to promote their own financial gain. And it's interesting. You think about that. We, we recognize that's happening today. We recognize that's what's going on in the world today, in the church and such. But to think that they'd already figured that out in, when the church had just basically was still in its infant stages. They'd already recognized because really the heart of man is deceitful and wicked, always has been, always will. Solomon said there is nothing new under the sun. They'd figured out, huh, I can talk to people, I can convince them of these things, and I can actually take money out of their pockets really without them even knowing about it. That's what they were doing. And so verse 11, though, what were the elders to do? Paul told them, this is how you treat the false teachers. First, they were to confront them. Hey, guys, this isn't right. Correct, this is right. But also, they were to warn them, too. You know, these these wolves in sheep clothing. Hey, guys, I'm telling you what, you don't put it into this. Then he tells them the false were to be rejected. In chapter 3, verse 10, he speaks of that. And, of course, if they didn't change, they had to be rejected. They had to be rejected basically kicked out of the church because the, the cancer that they were spreading. We have to keep that, those lies and the deception and the division from happening, um, from spreading to the body. So, and, you, and remember last time in our application, we talked about specifically about some false teachers. And I mentioned a channel, a station. And I, I used the words TBN. And some of you guys were like, you laughed, but some were like, hmm. Anyhow, that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. I got a video clip that I want to show you. Um, but I want to address the false teachers, the false teachings that are out there. And I'm trusting that most of you are aware of this. Um, and and we're, we're only doing this to kind of give us a little bit of education about what really is happening in the world out there. Because you'd be surprised. And one thing about the false teachers, guys, is they, they have always existed in the past. They're, of course, now here in the present day, and of course, the Bible speaks of the fact that they 
will come and in the last days they will actually increase so number one we have the false teachers or prophets of the past now of course the false teachers or better false prophets of the past they weren't speaking so much false doctrine about God they were speaking though things that God was not speaking now if you read through the prophets and all these guys have a message that God has given them and these were the true prophets of course but the false prophets were speaking things that God wasn't speaking. God was speaking to Isaiah. God was speaking to Jeremiah. God was speaking to Ezekiel. All the way, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, all these guys, he was speaking through them. The false were not speaking the words of God. And the book of Jeremiah makes this clear because we see in the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah was the true prophet of God. Now, how do we know when someone is a true prophet? When the things that they say come to pass. And of course, everything that Jeremiah spoke from God came to pass. Sad to say, he was speaking the true words of God and God was exposing the idolatry, the hypocrisy and rejection of him through the words that Jeremiah was speaking. And through Jeremiah, God was warning the nation of Judah. If they didn't repent, man, judgment was coming. And and when you realize Jeremiah preached this message for some 40 years. Imagine how depressing that would be to see you're preaching, you're preaching your heart out, you're preaching your heart out. The church isn't growing. The church is shrinking. The people aren't changing. The people are getting worse. And yet for 40 years, Jeremiah remained faithful and true to God's calling upon his life. And we know that that he, he wept. We know that he he agonized over this. We know that he even argued with God and said, I'm done, and all these kind of things, and yet he couldn't stop. But number three, the false prophets were not of God. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter five, and we'll kind of walk through Jeremiah and get some insight here, some direct words from um, what the Lord was saying about the false prophets as spoken and recorded through Jeremiah. So these false prophets... They were not of God. Jeremiah 5, verse 30 and 31. Now, it's interesting. You read this, and we see that these, this is God speaking. And an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? And it speaks really kind of the church of the day, as we tell Paul even spoke to Timothy about the people want the pastor to preach to them in a specific way nowadays. They don't want to hear the fact that they're corrupt and wicked and sick, you know, their hearts are, are deceitful and such. No, no, they want to hear all the good things about themselves. Pats on the back, the greatest people in the world. Oh gosh, you're so good. And there's nothing wrong with that because there are good people in church, but the truth has to be mingled with the truth. And the truth is we're all sinners. And so we see these prophets and priests, they ruled not by God's power. They weren't inspired by God. It was their own power, their own flesh. And much in the church today is happening in people's own power. So that's Jeremiah 5. Turn now to Jeremiah 14, a couple chapters over, verse 11 through 15. And we're going to see here that it's clear that the false prophets were lying. Clearly, God speaking. The prophets, they prophesy lies in the name of God. So chapter 14, Jeremiah, verse 11. Then the Lord said to me, do not pray for the people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. So God is basically has reached his limit. Interesting, though, Jeremiah kind of, It kind of steps in there. Verse 13, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this land, in this place. So Jeremiah is kind of going to bat for the people because sad to say the prophets, the false prophets were telling the people that everything was okay. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with your walks. Everything's going to be good. It's going to be all good. And so God was upset about that. Jeremiah kind of going to bat saying, but you got to understand, remember, they're hearing this. And then verse 14, and the Lord said to me, the prophets 
prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. And as we're reading through this, as we're looking at Jeremiah, I want you to kind of in your mind see the correlation between even the Old Testament prophets and what the people are doing in the church today. It's interesting. You'll see this correlation. So now, though, that's the false prophets were lying. Turn now to Jeremiah 23, and we're going to see the false false prophets' false message. They had a false message. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. We'll go all the way to verse 22. See, the false prophets, their false message, they spoke of peace, God speaking judgment. They spoke that all was well with them. God was saying, hey, if you don't turn, you don't repent, you don't change, I got a plan for you, and it's not a good plan. You're going to be kicked out of this. God was saying judgment was coming. False prophets' message, though, led to disaster, because we know the end of the story. They were taken into captivity, into bondage with King Nebuchadnezzar, someone to Egypt. It was a horrible deal, horrible thing, crazy, crazy. But verse 16, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall, not have, you shall have peace. And everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil is going to come upon you. Prophesying lies to them. In verse 18, though, we have here what the false prophets, they don't even know God. They're not even, they're not even hearing God, yet they're saying these things. Verse 18 says, for who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? See, the false prophets are saying that they are hearing from God, and yet they don't even know God. They're not even hanging out with God. Verse 19, Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. Wow. Verse 21, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned from their evil way and from their evil doings. And see, there's proof right there. When people are preaching the truth, people turn from the things that are wrong in God's eyes. And they walk in God's ways. And in essence, the message of the false teachers today, their message is false. Their Jesus is false. Their salvation is false. They're not sent of God. God is not speaking through them. They're liars, of course. And we see this correlation of the false teachers today, even the false prophets then. And the message, the message of the false prophets here actually, of course, brought destruction upon the people. They listened to them rather than to Jeremiah. Not, not all of them, of course, but most of them. If, if even, who knows how many would have turned would God had relented in his plan of destruction on Judah and the, nation, in, in the, the city of, of Jerusalem. See, and the sad thing about the false teachers today, their message will actually bring people into captivity and to the devil's lies. I mean, think about it for a minute. We'll just, we'll just throw out the prosperity doctrine, which we'll talk about some more. Now, prosperity doctrine says... Give the church money, and God's going to give you money back. Amen? So what happens when that doesn't work? So the answer, and it's so slick. The scam is so right on. It's perfect. It's a perfect scam. Oh, it's not working? Well, you know why? You're not giving enough. And so they give more. And then it's still not working. Well, you know what the problem is now? You lack faith. It's, and, they, and they put it all on the people. And so the people start feeling condemned. They start feeling guilty. They start feeling shamed. And it's not happening to them. They see the, the, next, the person sitting next to them, they just pulled up in a brand new Mercedes or whatever. 
And they're still driving that old beat-up Volkswagen. And they're, man, one of these days I'm going to have the faith of that person. One of these days I'm going to be given like that person. And, and then it turns into this big, huge show too. Man, because no doubt, devil does bless. Amen? The devil blesses big time. You follow the devil, phew, he'll give you whatever you want. He'll give you the world. Look what he offered to Jesus. But when you're trying to follow God truthfully, and it's such a sad thing to see, they've come into captivity into bondage. Let's go back to Titus now, chapter 1. So the false teachers and false prophets of the past. Now we'll talk about the false teachers and prophets of the present. Second Peter, we talked about this last time. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3, we spoke, we read through this. But he speaks of the present day false teachers of the time. But there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers. See, there's a, there's a, a difference there. The prophets and the teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring it on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of the way of whom the, the way of truth will be blasphemed and by covetousness, They will exploit you with deceptive words, and for a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. They will be judged, is what that means. Also, Romans 16, 17 through 18 says this. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For here it is. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. We watch this video, you're going to see some smooth talkers, some flattering speech going on. So this video clip, it's hammering the prosperity and the uh, the word of faith guys. This, This clip is by a guy named Justin Peters. Now, I'm not endorsing him like, hey, follow Justin Peters. But I love the way that he'll show the clip and then he'll comment on it. From the, from the scriptures. Um, and it's correct. It's correct, uh, you know, commentary. Now, one thing I want to hit right up front, he hits Rick Warren pretty hard. Now, I don't include Rick Warren in any of these guys, but he had a clip of Rick Warren on Fox telling uh, the, uh, the guy there that, that um, it's almost impossible to go to hell. Well, the guy kind of keys on that. But when you listen to what Rick is saying, he's saying basically because how amazing God's grace is. He's emphasizing God's grace, not the fact that it's impossible to go to hell. So kind of just let that one go. So I, I, you know, I don't hold it against Rick. Rick Warren, um, he's been maligned quite a bit, uh, even in the Calvary circles um, for his um, kind of, you know, um, seeker-friendly um, presentation of the gospel and the way he marketed the gospel and such. But, you know, interesting, maybe some of you guys heard uh, Brian Broderson, pastor of Calvary Chapel, goes to Mesa, had him on his program. And basically, all the, the questions about what Rick thinks about sin and the gospel, and all that, he, he was basically not drilled, but, hey, tell us, tell us. Because there's, this is what people are saying. This is what people think. And so he actually came out, came through that pretty well. So anyhow, so we're going to roll the video. It's about 20 minutes right up front. The quality's cheap. Um, and it's, you know, but you can hear it, no problem. Um, but it's interesting. Watch some of this stuff, and, and then I'll come back up, and we'll, uh, we'll keep on talking about these false teachers. You know, you're, the, you're supposed to control the weather. We don't fly bad weather. But we, we could see the weather over here. And I looked out the window, and that tornado came down just like this, down toward the ground. And Ken said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You get back up there. And that tornado went, whoop, 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 whoop. Did you notice how she says that she and her husband, Kenneth, they can control the weather but they don't fly in bad weather. (laughs) If it is true that Gloria Copeland can control the weather by the words that she speaks, and by the way, it's not just Gloria Copeland, 
many of the faith preachers claim to be able to do this. Jesse Duplantis, I mean, they, many of them do. Every year, thousands of people are killed in weather disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods that cause mudslides, wildfires. Where are they? They can't do what they say they can do. They're liars. These people are not Christian. As these programs are airing, I am speaking something into existence. They teach that we can do the exact same things that God can do. We can speak things into existence, create our own realities with the words that we speak, with the words of our faith. Dear friends, only God can speak things into existence. That is not an ability that you and I have. You know, of course I believe in, in Christ as the Savior and all, but, you know, I, th I think, too, Glenn, I've spent a lot of time in India, you know. I've been with a lot of Hindu people. They're nice, kind, you know, people that love God as well. So, No, Hindus do not love God because they do not know God. How can you love someone who you don't even know? And dear friends, Joel Osteen is doing no one any favors by telling the world that Hindus love God, especially not the Hindus. He continues to deny that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And so Joel Osteen is a false teacher. He is a false prophet. See, Jesus was man until God touched him and put the spirit of the living God on the inside of him. And that's encouraging today. No, that's heretical today. That's heresy. Jesus was just a man until God touched him, put his spirit on the inside of him. That's heresy. And if you've never prayed in tongues, if you follow my instructions, the anointing is here to do the rest. I can't do it for you, but I can tell you how to pray in supernatural languages. If this is something for which the Holy Spirit gives us utterance, why in the world would it ever be necessary to teach people how to do it? And then I began to look up through the gate, and I could see this kind of pinnacle in the middle of the city. It's kind of a hill high and lifted up. There's a river flowing down the side of this, well, it's the river of life, and it's coming down the side of this mountain or hill, if you will, and at the top of that is the brightest light I've ever seen. And I know who that is. It's the Lord high and lifted up. This is his city. The title of your book is 90 Minutes in Heaven and you can't remember whether or not you saw God? 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you might prosper in every way and that your body might keep well, even as I know your soul prospers and keeps well. So we see right there that God wants us to be healthy. Can everybody say, God wants me to be healthy? This is not a theological statement. This is not a doctrinal statement. It's not a statement of teaching. It's not a didactic, not a teaching statement. It's simply a common greeting to a letter. Nothing more and nothing less. And the faith preachers know it, but they don't want you to know it because it just happens to fit their theology. Jesus placed your and my sickness and diseases, infirmities, upon Jesus, and he bore them 2,000 years ago. If he already paid for your healing, how can you doubt that you are healed? Andrew Womack just taught that healing is provided for in the atonement, and he, of course, appeals to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And so let's look at the context of the passage. It becomes very clear to us when we read the very next verse. Very clearly, the primary context of Isaiah 53 is not physical healing, it's spiritual healing. Not healing from sickness and disease, healing from sin. We see that from these two words, transgressions and iniquities. Yet how many times have we heard Benny Hinn or Andrew Womack or one of these prosperity preachers say, by his stripes we are healed. 
So you ought to be physically healed. I'm going to stand up in faith and I'm going to sow an Isaiah 54, 17 seed of $54.17. Let's go to the phone. Do it right now. Go to the phone. When this was written, there was no chapter 54, verse 17. And yet you see prosperity preachers do this all the time based on Isaiah 54, 17 or some other verse that they like that happens to fit their theology. And they are counting on their followers and their listeners being biblically illiterate so that they can fall for their schemes. These people are charlatans. Do I believe that God wants to bless us? Yes. But when you go to the conferences, you ask people to give money. So you, you say, do it cheerfully. Yeah. Because as the Bible says, giving shall be given unto you. See, giving is a major part of the whole Christian doctrine. But do you believe that if someone gives money to the ministry, right. that more will come back to them? Yes. Absolutely. I think that's what they mean by prosperity gospel. Yes. No, but you worry at all that, that sometimes your message will be heard by someone in the most dire circumstances. It's a sort of roulette wheel, a sort of gamble with God. Okay, well, I can't pay the rent, but I'll give it to Joyce and we'll see what happens. Do you worry at all that well, that I, happens? I totally know. I don't worry about that. Joyce Meyer says, I've, no, to I totally don't worry about that. Well, I'm sure she doesn't, but she should. Because right now, even as we speak, there are thousands of people all around the world who are watching TBN and Daystar and Lasea Broadcasting and the Word Network and all these things. And they are hearing this endless drivel of saying, you send us your money and God will give you a harvest. And there are people at home, they are poor, they are sick, they are desperate, they have sick children. And so in desperation, they get out their checkbook or they get out their credit card and they send in money to these multi-millionaire preachers who fly in private jets and who live in multi-million dollar homes. Jesse Duplantis, for example, lives in a 35,000 square foot parsonage. But when your wealth is gained off of preying upon the hopes and fears of hurting and sick and desperate people, there's a lot wrong with that. When your wealth is gained off of distorting the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a lot wrong with that. Principle four, you determine the size of your harvest when you sow your seed. Do you need a big harvest? Then you sow lots of seed. Do you need a big harvest? Then you sow lots of seed. So if you have cancer, or if you have a sick and dying child, you had best dig deeply. Because the bigger miracle you need, the bigger monetary seed you'd better sow. Dear friends, sowing and reaping is a biblical concept. It is. But more often than not, when the Bible talks about sowing seed, the seed to which it refers is itself. So if you want to sow some seed, by all means, I heartily encourage you to do so. Sow this seed into the lives of people and watch God bring a harvest. Okay, when, when God restored the truth of healing, the devil put a signpost that said heresy. Yeah. When, when God restored the truth of prosperity, the devil put a signpost that says heresy. Yeah. And the church back off from the truth. Yeah. We shall not back away from the truth. No, no. And, and, and you can tell the, how powerful the truth is by the amount of controversies against the truth. What he's saying is that those people who actually care about the real gospel, who care about sound doctrine, who have a love for good theology, you know, who rightly divide the word of truth and warn people about the appeal to fallen human desires, he is saying those kind of people, those are heretics. They're, they're heresy hunters. They're legalists, they're Pharisees. But no, the people to whom he's referring that put up these signposts, these warnings about the appeal to health and wealth are actually the remnant of God's faithful people who care about sound doctrine and who want to teach people the truth. Friends have frank and open conversations with each other. I've done that with the Lord. I've had the Lord say, uh, Jesse, 
I've had God come tell me, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I've had the Lord say, what do you think about this? God has asked me for my opinion. God asks Jesse Duplantis for his opinion? Really? That, is that not shocking? Pray tell, Jesse, continue. Finish your thought. I said, well, Lord, since you ask, maybe I'm doing it. He said, no, we can talk frankly. What do you think? I said, well, I don't think you ought to do that. He said, why you don't think you ought to do that? I said, well, you know, I know you know people more than I do, but you know, Lord, if you just let me, let me do a little bit more work on this individual, I think we can get them to you. He says, okay, go ahead. Do what you have to do. And I tell you what, the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. Yes, and he who thinks he can counsel God is a fool. God speaking. Who is this that darkens my counsel by words without knowledge? The fact that God has not struck these people dead is a testimony to how merciful our God is. These people are not Christians. Dear friends, a Christian, a born-again Christian, someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, cannot utter such blasphemies. Can't happen. Such a statement cannot be said from someone who knows God. Jesse Duplantis does not know the God of the Bible. I now come into a priestly anointing. Jesus is not the only begotten on. Son of God. He is not. I'm a son of he's God. He's the first fruit. You, you're the, he's the first fruit. He's the firstborn of many. Jesus is not the only begotten on. Son of God. Can you believe that? Flat out denying that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God? Have they read John 3.16? I mean, honestly, friends, friends, we're not talking about minor theological differences here. We're not talking about the date of the Exodus or who wrote the book of Hebrews. These issues go to the heart of Christianity. What one believes about Jesus will determine where one spends eternity. And again, please hear me. It is not enough to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in the right Jesus. I was shocked when I found out who the biggest failure in the Bible actually is. The biggest one in the whole Bible is God. Mm. And Kenneth Copeland goes on to explain that God is a failure because he lost uh, his most anointed angel. And when Adam and Eve fell, he says he lost the earth. So God was a failure. Of course, that is blasphemy. That is blasphemy. When Adam and Eve sinned, that is not something that caught God off guard. The Bible says that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. It's blasphemy to teach that God is any kind of a failure. These people are not Christians. They are not Christians. They do not know the God of the Bible. You cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and teach such blasphemies over and over and over. It cannot happen. I'm going to say to you right now, you are God's, little g. You are God's because you came from God, and you are God's. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. The real me is just like God. Wasn't the desire to be just like God kind of what led to the whole fall thing to begin with? And who else in the Bible wanted to be just like God? Satan did. Lucifer. The little God's doctrine is quite literally a doctrine of demons. And the prosperity preachers preach it as truth. And dear ones, as I said this morning, discernment does not begin and end with the prosperity preachers. I want to show you a clip from... Rick Warren. Yeah, well, if, you got, if you got two doors, one says this one goes to life with eternity with God. Right. And this one says eternity without God. Right. If I walk out the door that says eternity without God, do I blame God for that? 
No. That's right. my choice. Right. That's my choice. And so I choose to reach, to to go to hell. Mm -hmm. You have to do almost the impossible. What you have to do, you have to reject the grace of but, Jesus but Christ. Doesn't... Did you catch that? Rick Warren said to go to hell, you've got to do almost the impossible. So Rick Warren says it is almost impossible to go to hell. That is a shockingly unbiblical statement. Dear friends, it is not almost impossible to go to hell. Everybody on earth is running to hell just as fast as their little fallen feet will carry them. Because that is what they want. That they want the desires of their fallen human flesh and everybody is going to hell. And God in His mercy offers an escape. Scripture says that the, the gate is wide. The, the, the way is broad that leads to destruction. But the gate that leads to life is small. And the way that leads to life narrow. And few there be who find it. Rick Warren, in his presentation of the gospel, it's like, he says it's almost impossible to go to hell. No. Jesus said something very different. When he was talking to the man whom we call the rich young ruler, the disciples were even more astonished at what Jesus said. And they said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. Rick Warren says it's almost impossible to go to hell. Jesus Christ says it is almost impossible to go to heaven. And apart from God, it is impossible. With man, it is impossible. Dear friends, let, it, let us not diminish sin. Let us present the right gospel. He said no one else wanted you. But I need you, boy. I need you, Jesse. God needs you saved. He needs you full of the Holy Ghost. He needs you well, and he needs you strong, and he needs you rich. Dear friends, God loves us, but make no mistake about it. God does not need us. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the wonderful counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace. He spoke the universe into existence. He knows all of the stars by name. He has need of no one and no thing. God loves us, but he does not need us. We need Him. And any man who's preaching a gospel that says that God needs us is preaching a different gospel. Preaching a different gospel. And a different gospel does not save. There is no prosperity gospel, dear friends. There is no social gospel. If you have to add an adjective to the gospel, you've got a different gospel. There's no prosperity gospel. There's no social gospel. There is just the gospel. The gospel. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I want to close with the I thought you'd like that. That was pretty good. But in conclusion here, um, let me read to you. And... He mentioned quite a bit about TBN and, and most of those people that have been on TBN are still on TBN. Listen to this. TBN, you already know this, but listen, I never knew how big TBN was. It's the world's largest faith-based Christian television network with all 28 international networks reaching every major continent. Today, as the third largest broadcast group in the nation, TBN reaches every major continent via 78 satellites and it's carried by more than 18,000 television and cable affiliates worldwide. Worldwide In the United States, TBN is available to 98% of the total households. And globally, listen to this, TBN's estimated reach approaches more than 2 billion viewers. Now imagine, aside from the fact that how much money is coming in, imagine the sad truth that how many people are on their way to hell 
listening to the stuff that's on that station or being built out of their money thinking that this is their way to salvation. Um, TBN, got nothing good to say about it. Now it's interesting, Greg Laurie, David Jeremiah, and Charles Stanley are on that station and I believe they all have their reasons for it. I believe Greg's idea is, you know, the harvest that if any people on that actually come to a harvest, they're going to hear the truth and maybe meet the true Jesus. David Jeremiah is a great guy. I've met him. His word is right on, and so was Charles Stanley. So maybe that's why. Only God knows. Um, But remember Jesus speaking, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, and you will know them by their fruits. And what's the fruits of those false teachers? A lot of it happens to do with the love of money definitely so the false teachers prophets of the future of course jesus said himself that in the last days the false will come they will arise they will do signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect but turn with me now to second timothy just one page over we want to again look at this passage of scripture we've read it before but paul instructs tim on what to do and what we must do to keep ourselves from this deception, from this error. So in verse 13 of chapter 3, 2 Timothy, one page over, he says here, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So of course we see that taking place in our time now. And then Chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, we read this the last time we were together, but he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead in his appearing, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach this word, not this word we have, because this word that we have wasn't put together, but the word that Paul was teaching, what, what was being instructed and given to the churches at that time. Preach the word, be ready in season and out, convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables of course we see that taking place as well so what must we do what 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 is men of the word What does a true Christian need to do? Verse 14 of chapter 3, back up a bit. But you, I, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Guys, we continue in what we know. We continue to learn the truth of God's word. And we continue in this. No matter what comes, no matter what is being taught, anything that is contrary, we have to reject and that from childhood, verse 15, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are, here it is, guys, able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. And then, of course, one of the scriptures that we love the most, all scripture, it's given inspiration by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, you guys. Men of the word, daily. So application tonight, guys, again, um, turn to one last passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 1, and we'll conclude here. Paul, of course, in Galatians chapter 1, and we know this passage of Scripture, Now, the problem they had in, in the Galatian church was that they were bringing back in legalism and the works, um, the flesh, instead of just by faith. But verse 6 of chapter 1 of Galatians, it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in grace, in the grace of of Christ, to a different gospel. Now, here's the key. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone 
preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema means to be cut off, rejected, exterminated. I mean, this word is so strong. Paul is basically saying, let him be annihilated, wiped off, completely void of anything of God. And so, brothers, as we continue in this book, of course, the challenge, we got to be Bereans ourselves. And to be a Berean, and remember what the Bereans were all about. They searched the scriptures daily to see that the things which were being said were so. And even myself, search the scriptures, make sure. Pastor Jeff, make sure. Because ultimately, it's your responsibility. It's your salvation. It's your faith. And you need to be responsible. You can't, you can't you know, and it's sad to say when you, you, know, you talk to a Catholic, you know, how come you don't read the Bible? Well, you know what? I just take what the Pope says. He, he, what he says is what I, and, and that's what they're taught, of course. They don't even know the scripture. They don't even know that 90% of the stuff that's being taught in the Catholic church is the traditions of men. Some of it very heretical. Now, the sad thing with the Catholic church, you can't really say, label them a cult when it comes to Christ because they do believe in the Jesus we believe in, but they add all kinds of different things to it and all this stuff, you know, got into discussion about purgatory with the pastors and sheesh, what a mess, this whole thing. So anyhow, I want to conclude with this. Remember last time we were together, I told you about that song. We ran out of time. I was heading out to the airport. Well, we got time for it. And I love this song. It's cool. I think we actually have the lyrics to the song. It's got a cool little hip hop rappy beat if you're into that kind of stuff. But the words, it's, it's Shailin. It's from Lyrical Theology Part 1. And he just preaches it, but he hammers, hammers the prosperity doctrine because he sees what it's doing. And of course, he got hammered for it. So anyhow, play that, guys, and we'll close up. One, two, one, two. Yeah. Special dedication to my brothers and sisters on the great continent of Africa. The saints in Malawi, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Zimbabwe. Don't be deceived by what America sent to y'all, yeah. man. Let me begin. While there's still ink left in my pen, I'm set to contend. For truth, you can bet will offend. Deception within. The church, man, who's letting them in. We talked about this years ago. Let's address it again. Yeah. And I ain't really trying to start beef. But some who claim to be part of the sheep got some sharp teeth. And catch it mean when you criticize them. But Jesus told us Matthew 7, 16. We can recognize them. And God forbid that for the love of some fans, I keep quiet and watch them die with their blood on my hands. So there's nothing left for me to do except to speak to you in the spirit of Jude 3 and 2 Peter 2. And I know that some will label me a Pharisee because today the only heresy is saying that this heresy. I'll dare to be specific and drop some clarity on the popularity of the gospel of prosperity. Turn off TBN. That channel is overrated. The pastors speak focused statements financially motivated. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Visualize heretics Christianizing the American dream. It's foul and deceitful. They're lying to people teaching that camel squeeze through the eye of a needle ungodly and wicked ask yourself how can they not be convicted treating jesus like a lottery ticket and you're thinking they're not the dangerous type because some of the statements are right that only proves that satan comes as an angel of light this teaching can't be believed without a cross the lie is you can achieve a crown without a cross and i hear it all the time when they speak on the block even unbelievers are shocked how they're feasting the flock it should be obvious then yeah i'll explain why it's sin peace the bible is sin first timothy 6 9 it talks about how the desire for riches has left many souls on fire in stitches, mired in ditches. Tell me, who would teach you to pursue as a goal? The very thing that the Bible says will ruin your soul, huh? Yet they're encouraging the love of money to make it worse. They've exported this garbage into other countries. My heart breaks even now as I'm rhyming. You want to know what all false teachers have in common? What? It's called selfism, the fastest growing religion. They just dress it up and call it Christian. Don't be deceived by this funny biz if you come to jesus for money then he's not your god money, money is jesus is not a means to an end no. the gospel is he came to redeem us from sin and that is the message forever Ever i'll yell if you're living your best life now you're headed for hell talk to him Joel Holstein. Paul Steve Chuck. let him know Preble Collins is a false teacher. Well, well, Benny Hinn is a false teacher. I know 
know they're popular, but don't let them deceive ya. T.D. Jakes is a false teacher. Counter Troll. Joyce Meyer is a false teacher. Let them know. Paula White is a false teacher. Use your discernment, let the Bible lead ya. Keep going. Fred Price is a false teacher. Counter Troll. Kenneth Copeland is a false teacher. Who else? Who else? Robert Tilton is a false teacher. I know they're popular, but don't let them deceive ya. Talk to them. Eddie Long is a false teacher. Let them know. Anita Bynum is a false teacher. Who else? Who else? Paul Krause is a false teacher. Use your discernment, let the Bible lead ya. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. <laughs> now you're not going to believe this, but you will. Guess where I heard that song? Columbia. Pastor Santiago, we're cruising around. He says, hey, have you heard this he put it on. Oh, my gosh, that is so right on. It was so cool. But the, the ending phrase, use your discernment. Let the Bible lead you. Amen. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. And, Lord, we do pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we don't understand why you um, allow this stuff to continue in this world. And yet, Lord, we know because you are a merciful, loving God. So we commit it to you. We do pray, though, that as we go forth, Lord, as we continue to um, be instructed in the truth of your word, um, Lord, let it sink deep. Um, Lord, let us continue to be able to communicate that one to another, but to others as well. And the Lord, truly, that um, people would come to know you through the truth of your gospel. Lord. So bless the guys in their groups, and bless us that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.